Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. Thank you, Robbie. I'm going to try it again. We did this before we got on the mic. <laughs> okay, well, no, I can't even do it, man. You did, yeah, it was, yeah, Abu Vala, Abu Vala. Abu Vala. There you go. Man, I'm... I had like a, a John Walsh, I think, the other day on or something like that. And it was it was so simple. A little, little easier than, than Ravi Wala, huh? It's fine. We're on the same page. That's why I go by Vinny. It just makes life so much easier. I know. I used to, when I was ordering pizza in high school and middle school, I used to just tell my middle name, Ryan, just to make things easier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I usually give it two times. You give them the name two times, and if they can't say it, then go, you know what? Just call me. There you go. Vinny. Vinny or Ravi or Ryan. Yeah, Ravi. I get that. That makes sense. Uh, okay. So scaling with systems. Yes, uh, sir. So walk us through, I mean, leveraging, basically uh, putting systems in place. I mean, this this is, I think, for so many people out there, it can be a struggle kind of transition. So walk us through, what, what's your business about? Yeah, so we pretty much take entrepreneurs, our, our kind of avatar is someone who's already doing about $100,000 a year, but uh, like there's kind of reaching this the cap, whether it's on the back end, on the actual offer, the service delivery, or it's on the front end, right? It's actually trying to get consistent lead flow coming in. They don't have assets. They're the sales guy. They're the lead generator, all of that stuff. So uh, we pretty much find people who are have reached their ceiling. They just can't get past the current revenue that they're at. And we just help them literally blast through that uh, like 80%, 100%, 120% month over month growth. And the way that we usually do that is number one, we help them build assets. Uh, that helps kind of find pro- um, prospects nurture and then close a lot of these leads uh, maybe even before they get on the phone with you video sales letter blog post content you know free courses whatever it is we'll help our clients create those and then we help drive traffic to those so one of the big ways like we had talked about before we get on this uh, we started recording was like a virtual assistant so our clients get a fully trained virtual assistant from us they're based in the philippines anywhere from three to four dollars an hour and they're going to facebook groups instagram linkedin email to hyper-targeted people that are in your marketplace and they're sending them pretty much an outbound message saying, hey, this is who I am. This is our company. If you want some resources, here are some of the things I talked about below. And then they'll get leads from people just responding back to the email. They'll get leads from people going to those assets that we created and then putting in their information. Uh, then they'll Google them, whatever it is. Uh, and then we kind of incorporate paid traffic into all of that at that point. So we can generate new leads from paid traffic. We can retarget leads that are inside of there from paid traffic. But the idea here is that you're pretty much creating a fully packed calendar for we kind of specialize in SaaS or online business or, or uh, high ticket service companies. And we pack their full calendar. And then uh, we kind of teach them how to hire an onboard and ramp sales reps so they can get past six to eight calls a day, 15 calls a day, 20 calls a day, 30 calls a day, 40 calls a day. And at that point, even if you're closing 15%, I mean, you're talking about multiple six figures a month, which is what a lot of our clients are, are ramped to. So walk me through when when you first and we're gonna get to your, your story about kind of where you came from and all that kind of stuff. With your with your product, was it originally the knowing the systems and how to kind of build that out, or was it knowing how to hire hire the right people? Because I think that's two different skill sets. Yeah, they really are. Like so for me, it it was a little bit of both, but I started an advertising agency about two years ago and I, I quickly scaled that to seven figures and you know, it was just pretty easy for me. Uh, once I figured out some of these things that I'm teaching now, I didn't really know that everybody wasn't doing it, to be really frank with you. And so then a lot of my close friends started asking me, hey, how did you do this? What did you? I'm like, oh, well, we use virtual assistants. We've done le- we've done 300 outbound emails every single day for two years now, like rain, sleep, uh, sleet or snow. Uh, I've created a video sales letter. I have these testimonial pages, whatever it is. And so 
you know, I think the more important part is going to be the systems aspect of it because you don't really want to hire someone into like just a mess uh, because then they're not going to be efficient at all. So that's why we help our clients build out their systems. We give them like copy and paste templates, websites, uh, messaging, all that kind of stuff, all their assets. And then we do the hiring for our clients because you're right. Hiring is a really, really kind of tricky thing to do. You know, we I have 20 full-time employees underneath me and then we have hundreds of virtual assistants we've placed over the past two years. And so it does take a certain knack in order to do it. So we do like 90% of it and then we'll introduce our client to the virtual assistants that we handpicked for them. And then they'll do their own kind of little hiring process at that point. Are you, where are you originally from? Originally from uh, Atlanta, Georgia, moved down to the Panhandle of Florida, lived there most of my life. And then uh, after I graduated, did the law school thing, dropped out. I traveled around the world for a while while I had my business. I lived in South America for a while. I lived in Europe for a while. And then like you, I was just telling you a second ago, I moved to San Diego in about August. So actually almost exactly this time last year. Wow. So I know you breezed over it really quick. Um, from what I understand, you were kind of telling me about that your dad had lung cancer. So you kind of had to move back in with him. That was around the same time that you were planning to go to law school, correct? Yeah, literally, I was like taking a year off to study to go to law school. You had to take a law school admission test in order to go to law school. And so I was taking a year off to study for that. And that was like right when he got diagnosed. And so I ended up spending a year taking him to chemo and radiation five days a week. And then on top of that, I was like studying for the law school admission test before I was doing a chemo and radiation after I was doing chemo and radiation during the weekends, et cetera, et cetera. So it did, if you don't mind me asking. Yeah, he's good. I always forget to say that because people always, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, it was stage four. So it was pretty scary. But uh, I just actually came back this past weekend. I just literally yesterday I came back from Savannah, Georgia, where he lives now. And he, he's been in remission for two years now. So we've been super, super, we were incredibly lucky. Um, you know, luck, divine intervention, whatever you want to believe in. And yeah, but that, that really woke me up to, I know it's going to sound cheesy, but, and your listeners are going to roll their eyes, but like kind of how fragile life is and how I realized like, you know, I'm kind of chasing this law school thing for the wrong reasons. So, I mean, how do, I mean, how does it work? So, I mean, I would think for myself, right. If I'm basically a crutch, basically the assistant to, for my father, right. That has cancer. And it, I mean, he only came out of remission just like what, two years ago. So there's still a time that he was actually having to go to chemo. When was it okay? When did he give you the power to say, hey, you know what? I can go travel. I can go do this stuff. I can go build my business. Because that for, I think for a lot of people out there, it's like, well, I can't leave you because I got to protect you. I got to be here for you. And I can't give this up. I mean, what happened there? Yeah, that's an awesome question. I don't think I've ever gotten that before. So essentially, like my dad was the main guy driving me to be a lawyer, to be honest with you. And so, you know, I ended up taking the law school admission test because I'd spent my entire life pretty much preparing for law school. I got in the top 10% of test takers in the nation. I got into all of the dream schools I wanted to get into, but I just knew I was it wasn't for me. And so I remember just walking downstairs one day and telling my dad, I was like, hey, you know, I'm going to, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to walk you through to the end of the chemo and radiation treatment. I'm going to see, you know, if you're, we're in remission and if you're okay, but I'm not going to be, I'm not going to go to law school. And he thought I was throwing it all away. And so in that interim period between when I finished, decided I wasn't going to go to law school and when we've got his test, first test results back that said he was in remission, I ended up getting a job at an Italian restaurant around the corner, making like $1,800 a month, $1,700 a month while I'm trying to build this online business. Um, and it wasn't until I literally got, uh, he got his kind of clear check from our doctor saying, hey, you're technically in remission now, 
that I sat down with him and I was like, look, in order for me to really be able to help you, like really, really be able to help you and not just like be physically here, but so you, you know, cause you're not gonna be able to work that much anymore uh, so I can support you. I was like, I gotta, I gotta go out on my own. I gotta take care of myself right now so that I can take care of you in the future. And, uh, that's exactly what happened. I ended up leaving him. We had kind of a rocky split because of that. Um, and then literally two years later, I'm able to, you know, I take care of him. I, you know, he doesn't work. I, I take care of his house payment, all of that stuff because I did leave him in the beginning. So it was really hard and really emotionally charged to be able. And if you're listening to this, you, a lot of people might be in a similar situation, but like, just like on an airline, when they say you got to put your mask on first before you help somebody else, I just knew that that's exactly what I had to do. So it was really tough. And like a kudos to my dad for being strong in that kind of interim period before I could come back and help him again. But I just knew that if I was going to do anything with my life, I had to do it then. Uh, I had to literally uh, commit 100% of myself to it. No family, no relationships, no nothing. And then I could be able to come back after that and, and kind of uh, give some of the rewards that I had gotten from that. Did you? Was there any moments when you're building out kind of like your, your platform, building your business, where you thought about using that as an excuse to come back and help him out? Yeah, I mean, obviously, even not even the, to come back and help my dad out, but like first few months in business, man, first eight months in business, we did three thousand dollars total revenue, and it was a, it was brutal. And you know, two thousand of those were my cousin in New York that I'm pretty sure he just felt bad for me, but uh, like it was really really brutal. And I had I taken that law school admission test, and so my applications and my test score were good for five years. So I'm not gonna lie to you and be like, oh, we took off and I was making millions from day one. There was a lot of times where I was considering going back to that uh, the law school and, and going back on that route, uh, making my dad proud, reestablishing the relationship with him. But, uh, you know, I, I just have been really blessed. I've been really interested in personal development from a young age, from 17 years old. And so really, really great books. Les Brown, uh, Tony Robbins, you know, all these guys. I listened to them every single morning while my dad was going through chemo and radiation and just like. I just knew that like all this hard stuff, right? All the, the obstacles, the way Marcus Aurelius, like all this difficult stuff I was going through was literally just a part of it. And even if I jumped over to the law school route or jumped back to my dad's side, like I was, there's going to be difficulties there as well. So I might as well face the difficulties on the things that was something I really wanted to do. And I already had a lot of progress on, or at least a lot of invested into it than just being like, you know what, this is too hard. Let me go to law school, which is a whole nother beast and monster in itself. Having the ability to put together these game plans and, and know where you want to take it, do you think that's more nature or nurture? Was it someone out there that was kind of like you kind of follow their path or was it just kind of like internal? No, I think I, I really do think that I think it's so interesting. I heard someone the other day I, I was I was doing an interview myself and I asked someone kind of a similar question and they I like the way they answered it. And they pretty much said. Like, you know, I think that a lot of a lot of entrepreneurship can be learned and you can make money, leave your nine to five and, and have a decent income. And then there's the other side of the entrepreneur, which is just like, like bloodthirsty. You're, you're not enjoying anything unless you're working like you're out of the movies with your girl, your wife, your your husband, your, your significant other. And you're thinking about work, right? You're at the pool, you're playing with your kids, you're thinking about work. And that's like when it's like the nurture side, you're just like it's ingrained in who you are. And so when it comes to like the business building, the systems, all that stuff, I do think I was, you know, I do think people can learn a lot of this stuff because I've taught a lot of people this stuff, but I do think there is something, I don't know exactly what it is. I couldn't put my finger on it, but you know, I do have an ability when I'm getting on a coaching call with somebody to within like 30 minutes, be able to identify where they are, where their bottlenecks are and give them like exact next steps on what they need to do. And when I was doing that for myself and a few friends, I just thought that that was like, just everybody did it. I really honestly was super naive on it. 
And it wasn't until like that my friends started telling their friends and their friends started telling their friends. And like all of a sudden, next thing I know, we have over 500 clients. We've placed over 600 VAs. Like we're doing hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. And I'm just like, just like almost a snap of the finger. So I think I guess it is a little bit intrinsic, but the cool part of it is like every new client I get, every new person I work with, I get to learn more and more about business just through the lens of where they are and their specific problems. So you talked about the idea that you're able to travel a lot, right? And you're able to go to other countries. I mean, I always find that when you you travel, you you ingrain yourself in other communities, other cultures, you learn a lot by yourself. What are some of the things you think you learned um, over the the years of traveling? That's an awesome question. I've never gotten that before. I, uh, you know, I, there, I forget who said it, but I think there's a great quote around along the lines of like, you know, travel pretty much erases all bigotry, you know, all racism, all discrimination, because it just forces you, like you said, to kind of adapt to someone else's culture. So the first thing I learned about myself even more, although I am an extrovert, I, I, I really love being alone as well, like really a lot. I mean, I, when I was in South America, when I was in Europe, totally by myself, a turn on a dime, I just flew there, didn't know anybody there and ended up um, having an incredible time and met a lot of people, but spent probably 95% of it just totally by myself in isolation. And I really, really love that. Uh, the th- second thing is I love the Hispanic culture. I love Latin American culture a lot. You know, I'm from India originally, but just be through like traveling and, and just loving the culture. I learned how to speak Spanish. And then I just, lo- I, I like going, I'm going to Mexico in seven days as well. I just like that community, the culture, whatever you want to call it down there. And I kind of learned that. But I think the main thing I learned about myself was that, you know, given if everything, which is ironic going on in the world right now, no matter what happens to me in this life, I could lose everything I have, all my employees, all my assets, all my money, everything tomorrow. You know, I would probably just like, I just know that I'll be okay. Like when you go to these other countries and you see how other people are living, like, you know, you feel like you lose your house and you lose your car and uh, you feel like the world's over, but then you go to some areas around the world and you're just like, these people have never even owned a house or a car and they are totally fine. So it just reminds me that it's easy in a social media world or in the United States or any of these first world countries where I know we're incredibly blessed to kind of lose sight of what is really important in life. Um, and I think that that being said, like if I lost everything tomorrow, I, I think I, I learned by traveling that I would just totally be all fine. I, and I would just get, I'll get it back in the next year and a half, two years. <laughs> It, 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 you're saying that um, so your background's um, Indian descent? Yeah, my dad's from uh, Bombay, uh, India. He moved here when he was 18 years old. So do you guys still have family over there? Yeah, we have a good bit of family. I, I spent about 14 days in India in December of last year, actually. So I think I, I saw in your bio that the, the place that you outsource to is in the Philippines. Yes, sir. I mean, question, I mean, wouldn't it be easier because you have relatives in India to outsource there. And I think the price, I mean, pricing is cheaper too, right? Or yeah, it's about roughly the same. Another awesome question, man. These are some of the best questions I've got on a podcast. I would say the reason why we do the Philippines over South America or over India, because yes, you're right. I have connections in both those areas is mostly because the culture in the Philippines is unlike anywhere else. Uh, number one, their work culture makes work above all else. Uh, and the only thing that, that rivals that would be family, but the only way they can support their family is if they work, right? Uh, second thing is their their priority around family also means that their work is who they see, like an extension of their family. So, you know, I just had in our in our face, private Facebook group for our clients, guy had signed, joined us. One day later, he got his new virtual assistant employee. One day after it was his birthday, his employee got all of her family to bake a cake and sing him a happy birthday song, literally the second day that she started working with him over there because she saw him 
my client as an extension of her family as well. Uh, and they're just like, it's pretty unbelievable the discipline and, and culture around problem solving and the dedication to work with one employer for as long as humanly possible. I've worked with people in India. And once again, I'm generalizing a lot of the things I'm saying here. So people might have different experiences, but I've worked with hundreds of, of overseas remote employees. And the thing I noticed about some people in India or South America is like, you know, they'll use you as a stepping stone in order to kind of create something on their own. Or if something comes out that's better, uh, someone offers them more money or whatever it is, they'll go to that job. There's a little less loyalty in my experience that I've had from those different countries where I've had one of my my first ever virtual assistant, Mel Jane, you know, she some of our clients will literally send her an email and give her a job offer offering three to four times what I pay her. And all she does is just forward the email to me and say, hey, I thought you should know about this, but like never, ever would ever question leaving us. So that's just been kind of my personal experience. So, I mean, walk me through. So you're starting your company. You're building out your system, I'm guessing, next. I mean, w- walk me through kind of from, from when you started to when you're actually getting like great success with the systems and the um, virtual assistants, things like that, how you get to the hiring process. I mean, I'd love to kind of, yeah, hear that. Yeah. So, uh, so first when I started entrepreneurship, I wasn't doing scaling with systems, the program that we have now, this business accelerator. First it was an advertising agency called prospect social. Uh, and so I was running ads for local businesses, e-commerce, that kind of stuff. And like I said, first eight months really wasn't getting any traction, but then I went to a mastermind in Atlanta, Georgia, where I learned, that's where I first learned about virtual assistants. And I ended up finding a guy there that, that pretty much placed virtual assistants a lot like what I do now. I paid him about $8,000 for my first ever VA, Mel Jane, the one I just told you about. And, you know, that was a lot of money for me for a guy that made $3,000 in eight months, but uh, ended up being the best, probably one of the best decisions I've ever made in my business life. And from day one, she starts sending out 300 to 400 emails to real estate agents, which I was working with at the time. And I went from having one appointment a week with real estate agents to 10 to 12 appointments every single day. And I just kind of scaled that into multiple different channels, LinkedIn, email, Facebook, Instagram. And then I had more appointments than I could take. So then I hired a sales guy. And so he started taking the appointments for me. And then at that point, um, we had so many appointments coming in and I had the sales guy coming in and closing so many deals that I had to systemize the back end because they, I didn't have a scalable offer. We were doing custom work for all these real estate. Agents. So then I figured out, hey, we'll do one ad campaign, one website, uh, one back end uh, offer, and then just duplicate that for every single ca- client. And I t- took a four-hour setup for all of my clients and boiled it down to 10 minutes. And then I taught that to one of my new virtual assistants on how to do that as well. So at this point, I have my VAs generating the leads. I got the sales guys closing the lead. And I got my VAs fulfilling the leads for me. And we scaled that to about 288 real estate agents at one point in North America. It was, it was pretty incredible. Um, I, I since then have, have put the gas uh, the foot off the gas pedal on that company just because when you're doing a done for you service like that, as you increase revenue, you have to increase costs as well, right? Account managers, et cetera, et cetera. I like the one to many approach is what I do in scaling with systems now, a lot more profitable. But um, essentially, once I figured that out and I was making all this money, I was like, all right, that was when I started traveling. And then during that traveling, I I got a, a lot of my friends who I was at that same mastermind at me. We were all doing like $1,000 a month. And then three months later in December of 2018, I'm in Cabo San Lucas and I'm doing like $35,000 a month, $33,000, right? $35,000. And that's in three months. And everyone's like, what were you doing? And I pretty much boiled it down to consistent lead generation, uh, the right messaging, someone to execute that consistent lead generation. So the virtual assistant and then a really hyper scalable backend offer. So not offering custom work for anybody, but actually figuring out, hey, a course or a uh, 
group coaching or a, you know, uh, essentially a duplicatable service-based offer. So ads or whatever you can imagine, but one campaign for it. And I just taught that to other people. I was like, oh, that's all you need. This, this, this. And I just did one-on-one with a bunch of people and I would just hook them up with a virtual assistant that I met or that we trained ourselves. I had my VA train these other VAs. And like I said, it just started spreading like wildfire and wildfire. And then I was teaching originally how to go from zero to about $100,000, uh, six figures in a business, because that's what I had just done. But now that I've taken myself from six figures to multi seven figures, now that's where we're uh, kind of established as well. Right? Like now we don't really work with people just starting. Now I help people who are, like I said in the beginning of this call, they're kind of hitting that ceiling of six figures and they can't get past to the multi six figures or multi six figures a month or seven figures. Uh, and because then once you get there, it's kind of a whole nother beast, whole nother systems, but a lot of the similar stuff that you, that you have in the beginning. So you're saying that, um, the virtual assistants that you bring on and your virtual assistants train them, where do you find those virtual assistants? Is it through that similar platform that you started with where you got your original one or is it? Yeah, no, I, I wish it was the case, but, but like just anything at scale has to kind of change. And so in the beginning it was just like, Hey, I had my VA find other VAs, like just from her personal network. And I've had a lot of guys come in and kind of even clients of mine or just imitators come out and try to do the same thing. And I always say the same thing whenever someone brings it up to me, I'm like, look, it, that works at a three virtual assistant placements a month, but we're placing anywhere from 60 to 70 a month right now. And you can't have someone's, that's not a reliable source so what we ended up doing is getting, uh, you know, a virtual assistant training center in the Philippines before COVID happened. We had it, it was about a 30,000 square foot training center where we were literally getting people. We had recruiters on the ground there. We had ads running. Uh, we had outreach going to local call centers, et cetera, et cetera, and saying, hey, there's this opportunity where you can work from home. You can make above industry pay. Uh, you can spend time with your family and you can join a fast growing company that's already been vetted by somebody else, right? Because the cool thing is, well, an unfortunate thing is a lot of these call centers and a lot of these multinational corporations that hire virtual assistants overseas, they really abuse them. Uh, and they, you know, one of my best VAs, she worked for a huge company. I'm not going to say who, but the Fortune 500 company. And she had to not show up to work for two days because her son was sick. And they they uh, canned her whole pay. They canceled her whole pay for that month because she missed those two days. And so because of that, she came over, heard about our company and started working with us. And so we're, it's really easy now, especially now that we've had all these virtual assistants. It's like this referral program that both we have recruiting people out there and then they have friends that are like, hey, you don't have to drive because they hate the commute to work too, right? Like they hate all the things that we hate in the US. You don't have to leave your house. You can stay at home. You can work the night shift and you spend the time, daytime with your family and you can make above what we're making in these other places and you're treated really well because that's how we treat our clients on how to treat them. And so, yeah, now we have a really scalable method that relies on like ads, outreach, but a lot of the stuff does come from the hundreds of VAs that we've replaced referring hundreds of other VAs to us. And now we had to create a system over there because we have so many people coming in to even, they have to go through an application process, a pre-interview interview before they even get interviewed by our people. And then we put them through the full training process, which is like, hey, they come on board, we teach them ads, how to set up funnels, how to set up assets, how to do email outreach, how to send hundreds of messages a day, how to work with an overseas client, how to do Slack, how to read standard operating procedures, et cetera, et cetera. So that they one, they're working with our client. It's like they have a Harvard graduate in front of them. Wow. The, um, so you talked about it when you first started your business with the advertising aspect of it. And then, I mean, from the point you are now, but that first part of it, you had some struggles, right? Because you weren't making stuff up for the first couple of months. I mean, do you remember any other times for you maybe tripped a little bit or there's some like down moments where you're just like oh my gosh am i on the right path am i doing the right thing or 
anything that kind of popped up? Yeah, that happened all the time, to be honest with you. Luckily, I had like a really good group of friends or mentors that I had paid. And like even and I know you're in real estate as well, right? So I was in real estate for a while. I, I have a real estate brokerage in the state of Florida. And like, so I've been in real estate, I've been in the industry for a minute. And uh, to be really quite frank with you, the reason I, I exited the lead generation for real estate agents, even though I mean, we were doing, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a month in real estate for lead, for, uh, lead generation for real estate agents is because in my opinion, it's a little insidious, 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 excuse me, insidious industry in the sense of we were putting a bandage on like a really gaping hole in that industry, right? We were giving agents leads, but I've, I, I took the real estate exam. I, I trained for the real estate exam. They don't teach you any kind of lead handling or lead generation or lead follow-up or lead conversion, right? At least in Florida, they don't. And then on top of that, you know, brokerages are not teaching you anything or they're teaching you stuff from 20, 30, 40 years ago. Most brokerages are as well. And so then we're handing these leads over to the agents and they're it's not even their fault. They're dropping the ball. And then you deal with a sales cycle that's like, you know, three months to six months long. And so they're going in the hole trying to pay out their leads. They don't know how to convert the leads. Then it comes back on us as the advertising agency. And so it was a real struggle to be really honest with you. Um, and it was because I was like, like I said, I was like putting a small bandaid on this industry that's just like, you know, we've worked with huge people in Century 21 and Keller Williams, like really, really top notch people inside of there. But I've noticed a really similar strategy. And so multiple times when I was in my in the business, even when we were doing multiple six figures a month, I would just call my mentor and I'd be like, I can't do this anymore, man. Like, I, you know, I just I can't work with uh, in this industry. I can't. And he's like, look, man, you're going to you can't turn down a, a, like a cash cow like this. You can't shut off a machine like this. It's working. And so then instead of just doing leads, I, I uh, started doing the qualification of the leads. So now what's the standard with Zillow and Realtor.com and everyone does it. But back before they even did it, we were calling these leads and doing 12 touch points in five days trying to figure out if this leads qualified or a booked appointment. But then I'd be giving my agents the booked appointments and they'd still not show up to the booked appointment, right? Because a million other things get on as well. And uh, eventually it just came to the point that I started working with entrepreneurs like as a side hustle. I did this like scaling with systems, VA placement thing, helping people scale. And it was just like so much, uh, so much better traction, so many more results, so much more gratitude. And, and I just was like, I kept on feeling like I was disappointing myself by kind of getting away from the real estate. And I was a quitter or a failure, or whatever it was. And I think up to that point, if I had quit before there, I wouldn't be where I am now. But I think there is a certain point when you're in a business that if you do recognize an opportunity that is better and you do really enjoy it and you see scalability inside of it, that it almost would be naive of me to, to just not take take the kind of the bull by the horns. And then I end up creating scaling with systems and scaling from there. And then for the advertising side, because of scaling with systems, I started getting access to multi-seven, multi-eight, multi-nine figure companies and their CEOs and founders. And now my advertising agency, now we sell leads to the guys that resell them to real estate agents. So I got I kind of removed myself from that. And now I, uh, and now I'm able to just sell on the top level and not have to worry about all the stuff on the bottom level. But yeah, I almost gave up that multiple times. It was really difficult. I almost gave that up multiple times, but I'm, I'm obviously happy that I stuck through it. So you basically sell to the wholesalers and the wholesalers sell to the realtors, the, the leads. Exactly. A hundred percent. Yeah. They mark our leads up hundreds of dollars or, or hundreds of percent. Uh, and some big, big names I'm under NDA, I can't say, but some big, big names that we sell them to. Um, and then also like for scaling with systems, you know, whenever we have real estate agents join, because I have this such a strong uh, brand in real estate, I'm like, look, I'm going to show you how you never have to pay these guys a freaking dollar ever again. And you're going to be able to do this all on your own. Oh, nice. Well, we'll have to have a conversation about that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. <laughs> um, so 
you've kind of already you talked about it. I think a couple times, but I just kind of picked up on it that you have. I mean, coaches. I mean, when did you actually hire your first coach? And I mean, what was that process like? Did you always know knew you needed a coach? Yeah. So the cool thing is, like, I think the way I see like personal development, I think like books are the best thing you can do. I still read about a book a week, a book every two weeks, uh, and those are free or close to free, right? And so I think you should read as many books as humanly possible. And then after books, I think are like courses, like self-guided courses, 997, 497, whatever it is. I did a few of those. But at some point, um, you can't you can't spend $1,000 and expect to be a millionaire, in my opinion, right? You're going to get $1,000 worth of advice or 10 times that, right? $10,000 worth of advice. And so it was like I used the, the $1,000 course or and then the $2,000 course to get me to around twelve dollars to $15,000 a month. But I had kind of peaked there. And then I, at this mastermind, I did meet a coach. I ended up paying him uh, almost five figures. And that was when I was able to hit the multi six-figure uh, a year mark. And then once I was there, I found another coach. I had to pay another 50 grand to. And then that took me to the multi six-figure a month mark, right? And now we're trying to find a guy that I'm thinking of working with a guy right now who is uh, doing nine figures and it's going to cost me uh, six figures to work with them. But it just like every time I put money in, I get it out like that. So I think it is really important if you want to speed up the process, right? I, I started business uh, really in, in January or February of 2018, right? So we're two years later. Uh, you know, we've done multi seven figures in both of my companies. And I really attribute that not to me, but to my willingness uh, to pay other people to just figure out, hey, how do I not do all the mistakes that you've done for the past three, five, 10 years? Uh, and yeah, so I'm a big advocate for for investing in yourself and investing in coaches. Uh, granted that they've proven that they can do it. They have hundreds of results, et cetera, et cetera. So how do you mean? And I think that's a difficult point. I mean, there was a, uh, a thing I was invited to. I didn't realize it was a, a coaching thing or co- coaching sales pitch. And so I never heard of the guy. I mean, it was a whole rah-rah thing. I Google his name because I was like curious because he's telling me all these kind of things. And like the first, I want to say the first two pages was basically information about how great he was. And I started to dive deeper on each page. And I realized that he, either he held the basically website or it was one of his platforms like that. And I was like, okay, so I got to be very careful with that. How do you actually dissect the person saying this actually this person done something and he's a coach for me? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and I get that a lot. So first thing I'll say, like, as far as is it the coach for me or not, before we get into like credibility, I would say is like, are they living the life that you want to live or have they done what you want to do? Right. Like I, a lot of people getting coaches and advice from people that aren't even, you know, I see people giving business advice on how to make, you know, seven figures that I've never even made seven figures, let alone sometimes six figures, right? Because it's easy cash grab in order to get that. And I see it all the time. And I, you know, I think it's unfortunate. And I purposely held off coaching or teaching. I had never, I thought that I never was going to be the guy that coaches other people. I was like, those guys are scams. I'm not going to be those people. Uh, and of course, you know, that's just how life works. But um, so first you have to make sure is this person, has this person done what I want to do specifically? And is this person where I'm at? And then do I see myself getting along with this person, right? Like, do they, do they have, do they represent the ideal, the ideology that I want in somebody else? And then once you can kind of figure that out, then there's easier ways to figure out the credibility part of it, right? So for us, we have over 150 video testimonials of clients of ours uh, on scalingsystems.com slash reviews. You can literally see 150 video testimonials, thousands and thousands of screenshots uh, from our private inner circle Facebook group. We also have a private circle in our Facebook group. So what kind of scam artist would keep 500 people that he scammed all in one central location on a Facebook group as well, right? 
Uh, and then like we give referrals out when people want to work with us. We're like, hey, here's 10 people you can call or email. So we kind of shove social proof and credibility down people's throats because um, because I do think that that's an issue in this industry. And uh, the, obviously there's ways like I had a guy tell me, you know, how do I know that you didn't purchase all those video testimonials? I was like, man, if you think that I just spent the money to buy all these video testimonials, this isn't a good fit. There's no way I'll be able to change your mindset around in the right amount of time. And I do understand people have been burned and I've been burned before myself. I've invested a lot of money that I actually never got back. Um, but if you're able to speak to real life people and do a little bit of due diligence, uh, look at some video testimonials, and then how long has this person been around, right? Is it overnight or can you go back to their Facebook and Instagram and look at over the past two, three years, their journey? That's why I love social media to where they are now, right? Look at their YouTube channel. Look at their comments on their social media posts, right? Look at all these things. And uh, you can usually kind of gauge at that point whether this person popped up overnight and is running some kind of scam or whether it's one of these situations where there's a legitimate business opportunity where someone's exactly where you want to be. And you're like, hey, I, I just want to speed up this process. Here's some money. Get me there. All right. So talking about coaching, if you could basically talk to your younger self, uh, that person that was helping his dad out that quit law school, what, would you, what kind of advice would you give him? You know, I'm, I don't, great question. I don't really regret anything I did. You know, obviously some things are like, uh, but, uh, I think I would do, I would not change one thing that I've done in the past. The only advice I would give myself is kind of what we talked about earlier would be like, you know, don't, I think the two biggest things would be don't doubt yourself so much, right? So don't keep on worrying about, uh, whether you make it, whether you're not make it, just be along for the ride. And the second part of it, which I really only noticed in the past year, uh, is like have a little more patience, right? Like I'm, I'm a really kind of a big imperfect action guy and I've done a lot in, in two years, in my opinion, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, two years is absolutely nothing. And in the grand scheme of things, what I've done is really nothing compared to what I want to do. And so like some of these things I want to do, you know, I'm just like to my team too. I'm like, we got to get this done. We got to get this done. And sometimes I really, I need to realize that some really great stuff is going to take really long to build. And so I think that a mistake a lot of people make, including my younger self, was I was looking at a one to two year time frame uh, instead of like a ten year time frame. So now a lot of the decisions and actions and and things that I do now are based on a ten year time frame. So my younger self, I'd pretty much tell him like, hey, like don't think about where do you want to be in a year. Don't think about a Lamborghini or or a hundred thousand dollars a month. You know, think about ten million a month. Think about a, a nine figure company and what that looks like in ten years from now. Well, you know, I have to ask this next question then to finish it off. Where are you going to be in ten years from now? Yeah, that's an awesome question. So it's really beautiful. I think that the way that our business has evolved from a done for you service one to one to a done with you service, which is one to many, I think the really natural progression from there is going to be some kind of SaaS or AI company. Uh, I think I do think that that's going to be a really easy natural progression. I've worked with a lot of SaaS companies as well. I've really helped them scale. So I've had a lot of experience in there, but I've just not actually been the CEO in the driver's seat before. And it allows you to have even more profitability and scale that even a one to many kind of program like I have right now couldn't couldn't have there. So as far as business is concerned, I would like to probably uh, have a SaaS company or be an angel investor inside of a few SaaS companies. And then, you know, personal life, 10 years from now, I'm 20, I just turned 26. So I'd like to be with the kids, uh, married with kids, you know, in a, in a nice white picket fence house somewhere. And uh, almost probably at 36, I'd like to be retired, to be honest with you, 36, to, so 36 to 40, I'd like to be retired. So retired in the sense of like i said if you guys remember in the beginning of this episode i think i am the native entrepreneur like where it's like i'll never be just okay sitting around and like you know playing golf every day but retired in the sense of my passive income far exceeds anything that i would need on a yearly basis uh, and i can pretty much choose the projects i want to work on now whether it's you know um 
uh, charity work or or giving to causes that I believe in or working on causes that I believe in, et cetera, et cetera. Sounds good, man. Well, I appreciate I mean, all your time, uh, Ravi. And if someone's looking to reach out to one of your platforms, reach out to you, what's the best way of them getting in contact? Or, or yeah. Uh, thanks so much for having me on here. And thanks for everybody that's listening to this as well. I really do appreciate your time. I hope you got some value out of it. Easiest way to get a hold of me is, uh, you know, you can go any social media platform and type in my full name, R-A-V-I-A-B-U-V-A-L-A, Ravi Bavala. And then if you want to learn a little bit more about scaling with systems, what we've done, uh, I actually kind of created a free course where I talk about, you know, some of those advertising platforms we use, what kind of messaging templates you should follow, where you should hire a VA from. And you can just go to scalingwithsystems.com slash gift. G-I-F-T, and, uh, and you'll get access to that free course. Well, thank you again, Robbie, for being on the, the road to growth. And hopefully everyone listening got some, some great tidbits. And man, 10 years from now, I'm excited to, to where you're going to take it. I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.